Has anyone ever tried to tell you something that you did not want to hear? You know what I'm talking about? Where, where someone would come up to you and you kind of have an idea what they're going to say and you don't want to hear it? A great example I can think of is when I was, in, when I was a lot younger and um, a girl was coming up to me. She's like, I need to tell you something. And I mindlessly was just like, yeah, sure, like, what's up? But as those words left my mouth, I realized, oh, I think she's going to profess love for me. And it was one of those things where it wasn't mutual, and I'm I'm too nice of a guy sometimes. It gets me into trouble. I don't want to hurt anyone. So she's about to profess her love, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. She's like, I don't know if I want to tell you, she says. I'm like, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't. Like, <clears throat> you know, like, maybe you shouldn't do that. Like, it's kind of like what I'm saying. Like, maybe you should keep that information. If you feel the least bit uncomfortable, you should just take that info that you're going to tell me and just, it's fine. We can talk about it another time. He's like, no, no, I, I think I want to tell you. I'm like, hey, I have to go get the bus. You know what I mean? And then I just ran and did that, right? Because here's the thing. And as a silly example as it is, okay, um, the reason why I didn't want to hear about that, right, is that once I heard that 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 truth of where she was at, right? Then I would have to respond, right? When you hear truth about something, it's kind of like this. Um, Maybe you're eating a hot dog at a barbecue, right? And you have um, the ketchup and you have the mustard on it and someone comes up to you and goes, ew, do you know what's in that? You'd be like, shut up, don't tell me what's in that. Because you know, when they tell you what's in that, you're not gonna wanna eat it or you're gonna not wanna face the truth of what that might be, right? So it's the same kind of thing that sometimes when truth gets introduced, whoa, now we need to deal with it. And if I were to ask you guys, are you afraid of the truth here this morning? I think most of us would say, no, I don't think so. I think, you know, if I were to say, I want to tell you the truth about yourself, or I want to tell you the truth about this, or a truth about that, you would say, yeah, I'm not afraid of it. I would love to hear what you have to say. I think we would respond much differently than how we assume. I actually have a video clip to illustrate this, if you guys could look at the screens for a second. Good old Kevin McAllister, everybody. Give it up. (laughs) And here's the thing. So that's like you and me. Like Kevin McAllister, he walks out his front door. He goes, I'm not afraid anymore. Like he's trying to talk himself into it. I'm not afraid anymore. He walks up to his creepy neighbor. And what happens? He is faced with something very different. And he gets scared. He runs off. And see, here's the thing. His actions betray him, though He said he wasn't afraid anymore. And so I think sometimes when it comes to truth, you and I, we can kind of do the same thing. We're afraid that, we claim that we aren't afraid of the truth, but when we have to face it, isn't it a lot different? No longer can ignorance be bliss sometimes. In the case of when I was a child and that girl was like, hey, I like you, like if I had to hear that, then I would have to do something about it. So ignorance would not be bliss at that point, then I'd be forced to have to do something with it. And see, today, I want to talk about how you and I handle the truth. And there's so many different directions we can go with this. 
We can go in, in many different directions, but I want to really kind of pinpoint it to my faith and your faith, the faith that you and I profess. That is the direction in which we want to go. Because how we face things in our life or how we deal with our faith, it matters. It really matters does. I remember I was talking to a friend a few years ago, and I didn't really know him too well at the time, and his girlfriend was coming to our church, and he was faithfully coming with her, and um, after the service ended, I was just chatting with him, like, hey, man, so how's everything going? He's like, oh, man, church is so great. Like, it's really great for my girlfriend and me and, and for her, and, you know, I'm so glad that she's able to grow, and he's like, but it's, it's really not for me, is what he said. And, I, and honestly, people are entitled to their opinion, but I was curious, and I said, hey, well, well, what, what's the reason? Like, why is it not for you, this God stuff? And he says, oh, no, it's just not for me. I was like, okay, well, was it that you looked into it and that you studied some stuff and you kind of came to terms where it wasn't something you believed in? Like, is that the case? Like, no, no, I just realized it wasn't for me. And I was a little frustrated with that because it was like, you don't have a reason, like, other than that it's not for you. Like, but the truth is, is that the reality is that that's often true of me and that's also often true of you. But a lot of times in 2019, here we are, that's usually the case. It's not that we've read up on it. It's that we haven't read up on it at all. Sometimes, in some cases, we don't know why we believe or why we don't believe. We have a basis. And I think it's for three reasons. The first one is this. We're, we're too distracted. Number one is we are distracted. We have too much going on to pay attention to it. You got Facebook. We got Instagram. We got, like, we got to pick up the kids. Got, got practice. Got soccer. Got this. Got this. Got to worry about, I got to stay late. I got to work hard. I got to save money. I need to have two jobs to live here on Long Island, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, we can just get distracted. Not all of it's bad, but often we find ourselves distracted. Or two, we're comfortable. We like how things are. Kind of had everything figured out. We have our, our life planned out for us. We've got a little box of, of control. We can control this. We can control that. Everything seems like it's in its place, and we like it. We're like back to the hot dog example, right? We have our, our, our hot dog. Do not tell me what's in it. I am very comfortable right now. I don't want to know the truth, right? We can find ourselves comfortable. And, and that even goes for an, a place in life where we don't like. See, sometimes we can get comfortable in our depression. Sometimes we can get comfortable in our anxiety. Sometimes we can get comfortable in darkness simply because we're just used to it. So there's another way that we can see ourselves struggling in our faith. And three, we're afraid. Maybe we're afraid. Maybe we're terrified of what the implications of a real Jesus could mean for your life and for my life. We're afraid that things might change. See, a lot of, a lot of people nowadays, we are afraid of change. And that's a very valid fear. But today, I want to talk about how we engage truth. Because here's the thing. Either Jesus is God, he died, rose again to set us free, or he didn't. And see, the goal here at this church is we want to give you the tools to find God for yourself. We're not like, hey, we'll preach it and you just believe it and go home. No, no, we want this to be interactive. We want your faith to grow and to be found rooted in your own faith and not just our faith here in this church. We're not afraid of questions. We're not afraid of working through some tough doubts because we're all people and we all need encouragement. And so maybe... You, we need to realize that there comes a time when you're going to have to choose whether you believe or not. Maybe you grew up Catholic or you grew up Christian or from another religious type of institution, right? And there comes a point where faith graduates. What do I mean by that? When you 
grow up and you, you go from elementary school to middle school, you graduate. That's such a silly graduation. It's so silly, but you do. And middle school to high school, right? You, you graduate once again. And then high school, you graduate to college and then maybe college to further education and then to adulthood, right? There's, there's different points in our lives where we graduate to something deeper or something bigger. And likewise, when it comes to our faith, our faith graduates. And so when you're younger, maybe you've gone to youth group and you've had you know, a youth pastor or, or you had uh, some form of formal kind of catechism or something like that where you've learned, and then one day it grows up to become your own or not. And see, here's the cool thing about people and the cool thing about the church and, and faith is that at any given point, this can happen at any given point. So I could be young, I could be old, we could be close, I could be close to dying. It doesn't really matter where we find ourselves in our age. It matters where our faith is in the moment. And so likewise, what I'm talking about here today is that our faith changes as we grow and live. And see, so the goal is for our faith to grow from someone else's or from establishment or from what we learned to becoming our own. And if your faith often is based on someone else's, maybe, maybe you, you've had that friend in the office or you had that youth pastor, so they have all the answers. Um, they know why they believe. They had all the Bible verses. You call them and be like, hey, what's that Bible verse? I'm struggling here. They'd be like, oh, here it is. You'd be like, oh, thanks, thanks, thanks. It's very easy to kind of have someone else prop you up in your faith. But then when that person moves away, right? Or that transition in life happened, or maybe there was a family issue and you stopped talking to those people. It's just, it's just how it happened, right? In life, you know, unfortunately, these things do, right? As, as you get separated, you realize something, wow, I don't have all the answers. I had their answers, but they're not my answers. And it's so easy in those moments to either give up or just find ourselves complacent. And so I want to challenge us. Where is our faith rooted this morning? Maybe... You grew up and you had no form of religious upbringing. You, maybe you were told that, that science is, you know, n- not able to prove the Bible and there's no God. And that's kind of like, okay, that's, that's how you left it. And, and you found yourself here on Sunday morning. I don't know. Um, regardless of where we all stand, we need to ask this question. Do we have our own faith? Was it inherited from school? Was it inherited from a church? See, it's important, I think, that all of us kind of like a baby bird kind of flying from a nest, we learn how to get our wings and fly. And that was really fun to do. The title of this message is called The Reason You're Stuck. And I want to kind of just shed some light onto why that is. There's two reasons. The first reason is because no one's going to want to hear a message that says, hey, it's time to build up your faith. Like, mm-mm. So we changed it to make it artsy so we get more likes. I'm just kidding. That's not the reason. <laughs> no, this, the real reason is this, is that often... We don't put the time in to build our faith. And the reason why we're stuck in our lives is because we can sometimes be stuck in between two opinions. We're stuck in kind of like a no man's land. And when we're stuck in that no man's land, we're not sure if it's this way or if it's that way or if this is true or that's true. And we just find ourselves simply stuck. Could it be that we're too distracted or too comfortable or too afraid? And see, this matters here this morning because I see so many people missing out on the life that God wants to give them because what they know never truly grows into something they truly believe. And I think it's because we don't take the time 
to know and believe it for ourselves and to challenge and to wrestle and to dialogue. We can kind of just get more prone to being distracted, comfortable, or just too afraid to even do any of that. And so if you're not a Christian here this morning, first off, we're glad you're here. Um, I hope you see this as a place where we just, we're trying our best to get it right. Um, we, we follow what the Bible says, and we have seen God transform people's lives in this place. And, and here's what I want you to know is that we're a church that is not afraid of questions, not afraid of dialoguing, not afraid of disagreeing. Um, we're a church where we want to give you the tools to be able to just seek God and find him yourself. And I hope you would join us as we're having this discussion about pursuing truth. And yes, we're going to have a little bit more of a bent towards, hey, we believe in God. Why? Because we've seen God move. We've seen God do great things. But I think it could really apply to you as we talk about just truth in general and finding out why we believe what we believe. And so we're going to be in John chapter 18. And this is a really, like, huge point in the Bible. Huge point. Uh, Jesus has been betrayed by Judas. He is on trial. He is with Pilate. And Pilate and him are having a conversation. And within this conversation, we can learn so much about how you and I handle the truth that we experience when it comes to our faith. And so Jesus is betrayed. He's with Pilate. And Jesus says this. He says, my kingdom is not of this realm. And so we pick it up from Pilate's response in verse 18 I'm sorry, uh, chapter 18, verse 37. Therefore, Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So Jesus is saying, Hey, I'm the king here. I'm in charge. And this is really confusing if you're Pilate because, well, you're in custody. But what Jesus is is hinting at is that he is the one that came to set mankind free. And see, whatever happens from this point, we need to understand something, because we kind of hit pause in the story, that Jesus is in control. That, yes, the sin of man put Jesus on the cross, but Jesus is the one who is now dictating the events that are happening. Verse 38, we pick it up. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him. And so we have Jews, the God's people, all waiting, and, and he's saying to them, listen, I find no guilt in Jesus. I find no guilt. And look what Matthew Henry says about this. Pilate hereupon puts a good question to him, meaning Jesus, but he does not stay for an answer. Okay, so Pilate says, what is truth? He asks Jesus, what is truth? And then he just leaves. It's like me being like, hey, how's it doing? How you doing? And then just walk out the door. You'd be like, that was rude, right? We see Pilate almost asking rhetorically, but not sticking around for the answer. And I just think about us. I think about our culture. That's our culture. We have questions, but we don't stick around with it long enough for an answer because we're like, ooh, let me just look, look it up here, or let me just talk to someone. Then all of a sudden, we're like, oh, my words with friends. I mean, I play it, so I'm using that example. I know it's old. So I play it, right? Oh, that's cool. Oh, oh let me check out this YouTube video. Or, oh, I gotta go pick up the kids. Oh, man, I gotta stay late at work. You know what? I just wanna watch something and not think about anything, right? Distractions, things, comforts, right? Again, not, not some of these things are bad. Words with friends isn't a bad thing, all right? But we could be so distracted that we don't stick around for an answer. And I think there's three reasons. It's that we're too distracted for the question that we can never even receive an answer. 
We're too comfortable. Maybe we like how things are. We're like, we're, ooh, you know what? Uh, I don't want to know the answer to that. Because when I do, I'm, I might need to shift some things around. Simply because maybe we're afraid. We don't want the answer. And here's the thing about unanswered questions. We can stay stuck. Like I said before, we're kind of in that no man's land. We don't have to act. Because once the answer comes, then we're faced with a choice. Life change or, or do kind of what I want. And then that's awkward. I had a friend who, when he talks about the Bible and he talks about faith, uh, it's something that he, he struggles with and doesn't believe in. And he said to me, you know, I just feel like everything's so gray. And, and he goes on and on. And, and here's the thing. I've talked with a lot of different people. And there are people who have solid answers and, uh, for reasons why they're at where they're at. That's fine. Um, but with this specific person I'm thinking of, um, and not to shame him at all, but it just goes to show what's in, what's in me and what's in you is that uh, he doesn't want an answer. I remember having some conversations and being like, I don't know. I think you like the gray. And certain things in life are gray and hard to work through, yes, but there are certain black and white truths that you and I, we kind of know about. But, but as long as we stay in the gray, we don't have to act. And I think that's like showing my heart and showing yours, that sometimes we like being stuck. We don't want the answers. We kind of want to do what we want to do. King Solomon, uh, he said this, God, bend our hearts to you. He prayed that over, you know, over the people because he knew that my heart and your heart is prone to resist truth and prone to wander. I think that's something about our culture here today. And so back to the story, Pilate tries to leverage a Passover tradition. And what would happen around Passover is this, is that, that the Roman guards would let out a prisoner. So he goes out to the people. He stands before the people and says, hey, people, we're going to do that tradition. Let's release a prisoner. And here's what I want us to realize from this point forth in the, in the message. I want you to picture that you and I are in that crowd because we would have done the same exact thing as they have. We're in that crowd. And they say, hey, do you want to release this murderer or do you want to release Jesus? And he's thinking, ace in the hall. They're going to pick Jesus. They're like, no, 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 we want Barabbas. And so they, they choose Barabbas because they, they wanted to see Jesus stopped because they wanted their own way. This is a human thing. We see it all the time, right? If you're Pilate, you're like, okay, that backfired. And so look what happens next. Let me find my place. I'm sorry. So once that didn't work, what, Jesus, what happens to Jesus is that Pilate's like, all right, well, they didn't choose him, so let me scourge him. And what scourging was, it was whipping. Now, when you think about whipping and, and punishment and that, it's not this like little strike. It's bloody. It's scourgings are ultimately, they've, some, they've killed people by scourging. It's, it's ripping of the back. It's, it's throwing a uh, whip and just, oh, it's very painful, very bloody, and again, People have died from that. So he scourges Jesus, brings him before the people. Picture him just standing there all bloody, bruised. And he's like, okay, look, we punished him. He's punished. And that doesn't work either. He brings him out saying he's not guilty. And, and here's what we need to realize. What is Pilate doing? He's trying to please the crowd. Isn't that true of you and me? Sometimes we try to please those around us. We often can do this with truth. We try to twist it in our own direction. We try to make it do what we want. We try to like make our friends, our coworkers happy, our family happy. 
And so we can kind of fail to make hard decisions sometimes. I see, Pilate here, he wanted to make them happy, but he wanted to keep his job. He wanted to please them, but he wanted to stay alive. He wanted to preserve his position. And ultimately, when we look at our lives and we look at our hearts, isn't that what it really comes down to? We just try to preserve what we want. We're afraid of change. Why? Because the unknown sometimes can be really scary. You know, I was talking to a friend recently. He was just saying, man, I'm in such a dark place, is basically what he was saying. And he said, it's a problem. I was like, well, I I joked around. I was like, hey, man, well, that's why I'm here to lower the ladder down into your pit and pull you out. And he said, well, the problem is this. I was like, I like my dark pit. You know, and I think that's just so true for so many of us. That often we stay in darkness because it's just what we know. We stay in that relationship because it's safe. We, we stay in that job because it's safe, even though it's, it's destructive to us, right? We, we, it's, it's known. I don't know what's on the other side, but I, I know this. I can control this. We need to realize that Jesus always has something better for us. And you and I, we need to ask the question, why, why do I default to resisting it? Being afraid of the unknown shouldn't be an excuse to stay stuck. And we see this taking place in Pilate. And so the people shout back, hey, this guy Jesus, he claimed to be God. According to our law, he should die. And again, picture us in that audience. We would be saying the same thing. Yeah, we don't want him because Jesus represents not my way. And you and I tend to choose our way. And so verse 19, I'm sorry, John 19, verse 8, we pick up the story again. Therefore, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. And he entered in the praetorium again and said to Jesus, where are you from? Now, the reason why he's afraid is because he's hearing the people say, this guy claimed to be God. Now, Pilate is a Roman. He doesn't care about any of the religious stuff going on. But, he also, he's, but he, they paid attention to the deities. And so he's hearing, wait, this Jesus guy claimed he was a God? Comes running back. Where, I could sp- picture him just sweating a little bit. Like, where are you from? Like, why is this not working today? But Jesus gave him no answer. Verse 10. So Pilate said to him, You do not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and I have the authority to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. I love these verses here because it shows a little something. Jesus is in control the whole time. Not Pilate, not the people, but Jesus. Yes, it was, it's, it's our sin that put Jesus on the cross, but his goal was to save you and I. And after that conversation, verse 12, it says this, as a result of this, Pilate made efforts to release him. The Bible doesn't say what happened next, as far, I mean, it doesn't say as what he tried to do, but he made efforts. Like, imagine he's, he's stressing out, he's trying to make deals, right? But then there's something that the people do. And look what they say. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. And this is what we would do. They played the ace card. They had their ace in the hole here. Because tradition, uh, wow, mm. Christian tradition said that Pilate is on like thin ice with Rome. And I think the people knew that. They're like, this guy's, this guy's on thin ice. Let's get him. 
See, Rome was not happy with Pilate, and that's why Pilate's trying to make everyone happy. Well, these people are happy, and, and my, my boss is happy. I could stay right where I am safe. That's Pilate's heart, right? And the people, they kind of knew something that, hmm, how would it look if there's a man named Jesus claiming he's a king and you set him free? That would look bad on you, wouldn't it? That's a bad look, Pilate. That's probably what they're pulling, and that's what you and I would pull too. And here's the messed up part. The people didn't care about Rome. They hated Rome. They hated being ruled by Rome. Because the thing was, is they worshiped God. They worshiped Yahweh. They didn't worship Rome. But here, they're siding with Caesar. And, and here, here's what we need to realize. It, it brings up this truth, that our critics can often betray their own values in pursuit of getting what they want. And here's the thing about that sentence that's really tough. So do we. We often betray our own values to get what we want. Could it be that our faith just needs to be rooted deeper, needs to graduate from childlike to adult and continue on in the process of getting deeper? Pilate here is supposed to be a judge. He's supposed to decide fairly. He multiple times said Jesus was innocent, Jesus was innocent, but then he goes against his ruling. He condemned the innocent. He wanted to protect his position. Look what he does in verse 13. Therefore, when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down at the judgment seat at a place called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. And that was the day of preparation for the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. I think it's funny they add that comment in there, what time it was and what day it was. But I think as you look into it more, you see that, th- that at this exact hour of the preparation day of Passover is when they would sacrifice the lambs. That's the exact hour in which they would do it. And here, we're seeing foreshadowing what's going to happen with Jesus. Continues, and he said to the Jews, behold your king. So they cried out, away with him. Away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answers, we have no king but Caesar. Ah, that's embarrassing to read, isn't it? Because that is my heart and that is your heart sometimes, right? When it seems like God's way is not our way, we're like, ooh, not my king. Kind of like pulling a Peter who denied Jesus, right? And here we see the people siding with someone that they, they opposed, someone that oppressed their faith. Now they're siding with them. Why? Because they want their way. Because you and I, we want our way. And so verse 16 says, so then he handed him over to be crucified. There's, Pilate sits in another uh, account of the Gospels. He puts his hand in the water, in, in like a bowl of water, and kind of sprinkles it and says, I'm clean of this. And I think that's kind of a funny thing because isn't that true that sometimes, as a side note to this message, we can do things, ritual things, to make ourselves feel better about what we do, to justify, right? But he handed him over to be crucified. Why? It all goes back to his inability to make room for the truth in his heart, his inability to have that question answered or to seek it out for himself. He did it to preserve his life. And here's the amazing part about history is that Pilate dies within five years of that experience. Christian tradition says that um, he, Rome, he didn't make Rome happy. Isn't that sad? The one thing that he was trying to do, the one group of people he was trying to satisfy that he would compromise his, his own ruling on, couldn't satisfy him. 
And ultimately, they kick him out of power and they exile him. And whether he was executed or starved to death, whatever it was, within five years, he was gone. And isn't it that such a tragic story of maybe our lives where we try to preserve what we have, our little home, our little area, and so often we lose it anyway. And I know this is like, wow, man, this is an exciting, positive message. But here's the thing today. It doesn't have to be that way. And so what I want us to walk away with this is this, that above all else, welcome and make room for truth. Above all else, welcome and make room for truth. Because lasting change and groundbreaking faith doesn't happen by accident. It happens on purpose. It can only come if we run towards truth, if we fight with it. Sometimes we're going to wrestle with it. Not everything is Amazon Prime, baby. Can't be like, boom, give me faith. Two days coming. One day if you expediate it. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't happen. I wish it did. That'd be great. We actually have to, like, research and work hard, unfortunately, our culture is not programmed for that as much anymore, right? John 8, 31 says this. So Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth. And what does it say? And the truth will make you free. And the truth will make you free. Here's what we need to realize about Jesus. His goal was to set you and I free. And when he does that, when he died on that cross to sacrifice once and for all, for my sin and your sin, that bridge with God was restored. And now you and I, we can rise above our failings. We can, we're not going to be perfect, but that's what the blood of Jesus is for. That's not an excuse that we keep sinning, right? But it's, it's a reason why you and I can get back up. Susan, I, it's, the, it's a reason why you and I can put one foot in front of the other and experience breakthrough. But we need to make room for that truth to grow and become deeper in our lives. And so above all else, we need to welcome and make room for truth. And so I want to start with this. Maybe you're sitting here, Andrew, how do I do this? As we wrap up here today, ask some questions. Maybe you need to ask, are you distracted? Are you too comfortable? Or simply, are you afraid? And there's practical steps we could do here today. Maybe today you're not really sure about God's existence. You're not sure about Jesus. Here's what I'll say to you. Look into it. Know what you believe. Be honest with yourself and others. And here we are in church today. So it might be weird to be like, I don't know if I believe in this, right? But again, we're a church that wants to help you get that right or figure it out for yourself. Where we're not afraid of questions and doubts. See, we can learn a lot from our doubts if we just lean into them and fight with them a bit. Ask tough questions. We'd love to connect you to a mentor or a staff member that can help work through this. Doug has a 10-part series on evidence as to why we believe what we believe. You could check that out. But some of you need something deeper than that. And I encourage you to, to talk with someone or connect with us. We'd love to get you in on that. So that's one thing to do. Second is maybe you're sure about God's existence. You're like, Andrew, I'm in church this morning. Of course. Cool. Here's what I'll say to you. Continue to look into it. Know even more why you believe. See, there's, question, there's real questions that people have out there. And you and I, silly enough, don't have the answers for all of them. And we won't. We won't. But it's amazing how when we start to answer those questions for ourselves, how much our faith grows. I had a buddy who had all these questions, all these issues. Some of them were kind of intense. I was kind of like, God, wow, that's crazy. I don't, I don't know if I like that. But as I looked into it on my, on my own time, as I studied, as I re realized, I found answers for me, and it just grew my faith tremendously. Guys, we can't just stop. What time is it? It's 1230. We can't stop. It's 1240 when, we, when the service ends or whatever. Um, we can't stop 
not studying. Man, read your Bible. And I know it's a silly thing to say, like, like, of course, you're going to say that it's church, but it really does transform and shape our lives. And so above all else, welcome and make room for truth, guys. Above our distractions, above our comforts, above our fear, make room for truth. And here's my truth here this morning. Here's our church's truth, is that Jesus loves you. I think people think, oh, I've sinned too much, and they believe in these cosmic scales. But Jesus came and wiped the scale off. He picked it up and crushed it. Every time you see a cross, it represents the love that God has for his people to redeem his people, and no one is beyond that redeeming. There's not anything you could do that could separate you from God. If you turn your heart to him, man, he will change and shape your life. Again, there's people in the seats around you that had addictions, that had struggles, marriage issues, financial. God has showed up and done some great things. This doesn't mean that everything's going to be all like sunshine and rainbows. Like life is still hard. But I know that when life's hard for me, man, and, and I love walking with, with the Lord who's going to help me through it because I don't know where I would be if that wasn't the case. And that is what we believe here in this church. And you are more welcome to dialogue with us. And for all of us, whether you're Christian or not here today, just, it's important we own our own faith because then we move from the no man's land to action. And then we begin to see things take root. So thank you guys for being here this morning. And again, just remember, above all else, welcome and make room for truth. Love you guys. Let's just pray a little bit here this morning. Oh, Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you, you love us, that you are for us. God, that you, you went to the cross. You didn't have to. You could have told Pilate, eh, I'm out. And you could have rose out of there and walked out of there and not one person would have touched you. But yet you took that cross. Why? Because you loved us. And that's the truth we believe here in this church. I pray, God, for those who are struggling, those who are wrestling. I pray that they would pick up that fight again. I know it could be exhausting sometimes. But often is being in no man's land, being in a place of indecision or not really considering God what you've done and what you want to do. And so Jesus, as we just close with this song, as we just sing one last thing, I pray that you would stir our hearts to action. We wouldn't be passive when it comes to our faith. We wouldn't let our faith be something that is built off of an establishment or just a person that would be built off of you and it'd be built off of your word. God, that your word stands supreme. And I pray, God, that you would come and you would, you would speak to our doubts and you would speak to our issues here today. And I pray for the person maybe who's not even struggling with any we've talked about here today. Maybe there's something heavy on their heart. God, I pray that you would remind them this, that you are with them. They, they need not to be alone. You're a God that works in the details. And Jesus, we invite you into them now. So we thank you, Lord. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Will you guys just stand with us as we close with the song?